Welcome to the fourth episode of VSW 2019 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me as always is the Canadian who is always amused by the prospect of reading things from boobs and asses, Logan Saunders. <laughs> Good evening. There's only one intro you're ever going to get this week. Yeah, I feel that one was appropriate. Seeing as though you are the Jamie Trinité of Canada, and Japan at the moment, for another six hours. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. I leave here in... Think of my planes at one o'clock in the afternoon, which at the time of this recording puts me uh, taking off from Japanese airspace in 12 hours. So by the time this comes out, you will be somewhere in the Philippines. Yep, unless you edit it as quickly as the person who subtitled the episode. Which I will not be doing because I'm halfway through editing the Hunted podcast at the moment. I see. I haven't seen episode three yet. I- I think I only had like five minutes left of episode two to watch. Yeah. Was there anything that really happens in those last five minutes? Well, there's always a cliffhanger of some description. Right. That's how they do it. And six episodes total again this year? Yep. Makes it easy to catch up on it. Yeah, this week's one was good. I like how they just catch the guy right away in the truck. (laughs) There's Brett the Hitman heart. (laughs) So previously, the final nine lamented the loss of Evie. They succeeded in coming as Trez, but Jamie and Evelyn didn't have faith and cost them 1,500 euros. Niels was gifted a useless yoker, but Evelyn won three in a tense game of Jenga. Meryl found an exemption in her yoker and used it, before the cliffhanger of the episode left only Nikki and Robert in danger. And I gotta give it to you, Michael. I think this was the plan. I think whenever Nikki herself would be executed, I think they were going to do it this way no matter what. I think they were as well. Because she's, she's by far the biggest following in this whole cast, right? As far as I'm aware, yes. So it it wasn't a surprise to me, especially when I started getting messages, even before I'd watched the episode lamenting the loss of Nikki, but I kind of knew it was going to happen as soon as they left a cliffhanger. Yeah, I think even if it was like down to Final Four, or if it was the first round, this is how they were going to do it. I think they were always going to do a cliffhanger or some description for Nikki's elimination, just to try and eke another episode out of her followers. Yeah. But there's, other than that, there's no real, there's no payoff for the show itself or for how the game runs. It's like, oh, that person just gets executed two minutes into the episode. They don't really get to interact with anybody else when they say goodbye, which kind of sucks as a contestant. They don't get that last farewell with your your new friends. It has the fun effect of everyone complaining about putting points on Nikki on the official app this week, which, to be fair, only 4% of people did. But still, I saw enough bitching comments going, oh, are you going to give us our points back that we put on Nikki even though she wasn't in the episode? Well, no, you should have had better suspicions. Nikki was my my least suspected person all three weeks. Yeah, I think I had her at the bottom or second to last behind uh, Cena. (laughs) So it's obviously a huge loss for us, given that we love Nikki. She's one of my favourite characters of the season. But it's not a surprise, given that she was... Never, ever, ever going to be the mole. Ever. Yeah. Producers are probably uh, annoyed that the first two exits were their two most recognisable people. Well, this is what I said last week. I said in in the fact that the two probably most famous people are Nikki and Evie, and both of them went straight away. Yeah, none of them seem to be too remiss by their early exit either. They're like, eh, back to real life. As much as real life is YouTube and hosting Survivor. Yeah. And the curse of the YouTuber second boot continues as well. There's been two YouTubers who've ever appeared on Vidim, and both of them have gone out second. Well, you can't spell uh, YouTube without the syllable two in there, so I guess there's that. It's not you, Threeber. 
And Nikki says that she's not good at reading people, so she should just go back to makeup. Well, well no wonder she can't read people, because uh, everyone was going all natural. That was her downfall. She, they, everyone needed a, needed a great foundation, a foundation of trust or distrust, depending on how you look at it. And also, she would have had to crouch to actually be able to read them. That's true. That's maybe that's why she had a tough, such a tough time reading people because she's yeah, like ten feet taller than everyone else. Like you need to give platform shoes and uh, ladders uh, to be at eye level with Nikki. So then we have the titles, and that confirms that the Yelp in the titles after we see the the image of the rooftop execution is Jamie. We saw it again in the previously section. Of him just being very enthusiastic that he wasn't executed and not able to speak to people. And then everyone travels from Medellin to Guatapé, where Pablo Escobar's country home was. Yeah, I'm not surprised uh, Guatapé was picked as a location, considering when I was in Medellin it was offered as a day trip, where you could go to Guatapé and back. You just have to leave really early in the morning, because it is a fair distance away. But it's like that thing you do if you have an extra few days in Medellin. Did you go there? No, that's why. It's kind of funny the timing of when they went to uh, Guatape when I wrote my article this morning saying Barcelona, Medellin, and now Tokyo are three cities where doing the standard three days isn't enough. And one of the reasons why I listed Medellin is because I didn't get the chance to go to Guatape, and that was being in Medellin for four days touring around. There just wasn't enough time. And I, yeah, the, a lot of people in Medellin... Uh, who stayed in the same hostel as me. A lot of them, I think, stayed in Guatape for like two or three nights before coming back to Medellin for an extra couple days, and then they go off to their next destination or, or go back home. Because it's a really neat area, and they definitely did it justice with the videography this week. Yeah, it looks very pretty. Yes, <laughs> very scenic. One thing I will pull Guatape up on is the fact that in Rick's intro to Guatape, he says that the pot could have been 13,000 euros. That is a lie. It could have been 16 and a half by that point. Fake news, Rick. Fake news. Yeah. Where's there's, where's your sources, ma'am? <laughs> if you're following it along like I am, it could have been 16 and a half thousand. By the end of this episode, it could have been 22,250. Yeah, they're way behind. I feel like... how What was the cast of last year at at this point? Because I know they did pretty terrible, but I don't think... I think they were just starting to make money and gain out of the negatives. I don't think they were much further from uh, from 4,000, really, and they had a really bad start. Yeah, because they had one episode that was really good where it was like, make... Was it the bridge task where they made like 5,000 or something ridiculous at around episode 4? They gave them like one task that pretty much pulled them out of the hole and put them like 2,000 in the positive, I think. Yeah, they got a lot of really gimme tasks towards, the, towards this part of the series, purely because they were doing so badly. Mm-hmm. Well, they had such a good mole who was able to get away with so much sabotaging last year. But this group, though, this group is just a mess. Like, I feel like the the mole doesn't really have to do too much outright to sabotaging because, I mean, this week they earned, what, 500 euros out of a possible two, like 6,000? Yeah, it was about 6,000. By this point last series, they were on 5,810 euros. Yeah, so they, they've... I can't believe they're doing worse than last year's group then. In episode 4, last year's people earned 5,000 euros for the pot. Yeah, because this week didn't really have really that difficult of tasks. Like, they had some pretty gimme tasks that they still managed to screw up. They just didn't seem to know 
how to do the first task. They didn't listen to Rick's instructions. If only one of the tasks was doing successful karaoke of Ride With Me by Nelly and the Saint Lunatics, then they would... <laughs> how did I know that you would be all over that? <laughs> I don't know. Must be the money. <laughs> also, purely from looking up these um, these figures, I've just found out that last night's episode, because we were recording this on Sunday, last night's episode had a 43% market share. Is that good? That means 43% of the Netherlands who were watching TV at that point were watching Vidim. Wow. Canadian television would kill for those numbers. Any television would kill for those numbers. <laughs> I don't even think England's World Cup matches got that higher market share last that's, year. Yeah, that's enormous. That's insane. That's like half. Yeah. God, I think there's like hundreds of channels on TV now, and 50% are choosing the exact same channel. Yeah, nearly half of the people in the Netherlands who are watching... TV at that point were watching Vistamol. Season 19. After 19 years. Wow. If I knew that and I was a random third world country, holy hell would I want a rich first world uh, country to be filming a season of a reality show where half the population tunes in and be like, hey, please film your next season here. <laughs> I have been watching these seasons in the past and gone, I never really fancied going to Sri Lanka before, but Vidim makes Sri Lanka look awesome. Yeah, Belgian Mall does a really good job with it too, with the cinematography. And in this episode, they just went all out with Guatape. So the first assignment of the episode does take place on the lake at Guatape. They must form four pairs, three of whom will be locked in cages with boats, which are being towed towards the other side of the lake. And the other pair must sail up to the cages to read the numbers which will unlock the boats. And, and as they work, a tablet counts up with money values potentially reaching 750 euros for each team. They must free themselves and get back to the start before the end of 35 minutes. If they take too long, they earn minus money for the pots. And it's 2,250 euros that could potentially be earned in this challenge. Or lost. And it's Rick, Paul and Meryl, Sinan and Jamie, Niels and Evelyn and Robert and Sarah who are the pairs. And Sinan and Jamie are the rescuers. Jamie puts himself, like, more so than... He definitely, uh surpassed Evelyn in terms of putting himself in key roles of challenges. Him and Sinan actually both do that quite frequently. I was going to say, Sinan was doing it much more this episode in that he did the tablet game as well and tried to screw people over with that. But Jimmy was super involved with that and he was super involved with the balcony challenge too. And upon the request of Nick Gates, apparently we've now got to call Sinan Hot Dad Sinan Can. Hot Dad Sinan Can? Yeah, he tweeted us right at the start of us recording this episode. So, hi, Nick. We will call him Hot Dad Scene and Can just once for you. <laughs> now you've had to say it three times because he had to explain the whole backstory to me. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he really can, though, because uh, uh, this group didn't do much, wasn't able to do much of anything this week. It's more Hot Dad Scene and Can't. <laughs> Which, if you say with a certain accent, makes it sound really... Or something we never want to hear. Something that gets cut from the podcast. Yes. And as she gets into the cage, Evelyn says to Niels, I'm not good with a clock. It's about two episodes late for you to actually tell us that, given you were in charge of the clock on the bike going around the church's assignment, Evelyn. Yeah. FYI, this may this piece of information may surprise you, but time, not my thing. This is coming from the oldest person in the cast, too, so time really isn't her thing. And the way I've described this challenge is it's basically cage boat chicken. 
it's how long do you want to wait before unlocking your cage to try and earn the most money, but then you could get very close to the finish and guarantee to lose money for the pot. Or alternatively, you could be so far away that you're not going to get back in time. I really want to see everyone try to risk it, because I think a lot of money could have been lost in this task with relative ease. Oh, it really could, but for some reason, Sinan, Hot Dad, Sinan Khan, and Jamie just really aren't into making money on this episode. So they just advise everyone to just get back as quickly as possible. Rick's probably standing out in the sun, bless him. Well, they didn't lose money, is one way of looking at it with this task. But also they really didn't gain money that much. Yeah, this was definitely a tactic of let's either genuinely not understand this challenge, or let's just preserve the pots because we do not have faith in ourselves to do well. That's crazy, though, to have three pairs all, like, not fail this task. And the three pairs combined for just 500 euros. That's got to be pretty close to a record low. How do you think the mole played this one? Do you think the mole tried to get out early? Or was the mole in the rescue boat and tried to prolong the agony? I think Jamie's climbing higher and higher on my suspect list. So I'm leaning towards the person being in the rescue boat. Because both Jamie and Sienna were pressuring all three pairs to get back as soon as possible. And everyone followed through on their advice, plus they were a bit slow with figuring out the the numbers at first, so they made it seem like they made the pairs pr- not as confident that the task would go well, considering how poorly Jamie and CNN were doing. So it's like, well, if they're already struggling with a task we think is straightforward, maybe we shouldn't risk it by going out too far before we head back. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the mole just tried to get out as early as possible and hope that given how much this group seems to screw everything up, just hope that they would screw it up further. So the most tactic being, like, you could get 750 euros, but I'm only going to bank, like, 50 to 80 euros at the most. Yeah. I mean, Niels and Evelyn got out after 100 euros. Yeah, that's... that is not much. All right, so, yeah, Evelyn says she's not good with a clock. Um... Niels, like, plays around with the lock, but I think he was just trying to throw a suspicion onto himself in that moment. Like, pretend to be like, oh, I'm sabotaging this, but he made it way too noticeable. So he's still not on your list then, is he? He is now by the end of this episode, because he does some other sneaky uh, sneaky things that he's now number four in my suspect list out of seven. So he made it to the midway point. Go, Niels! <laughs> so yeah, Evelyn opens it, and they jump in the boat at 100 euros, and then they argue over the directions... And Robert and Sarah argue over timing. I think with Evelyn, it's probably a good thing she goes home this week, because if you suck at directions and you suck with time, you're not going to succeed at too many challenges on the mole. Those are like the two things you need to be good at, is directions and time. And I think I might have spotted a clue in this challenge, and I don't know what it's referring to. Okay. So, there was a number on Robert and Sarah's boat that was quite visible at a few points. And it's mm-hmm. the sort of thing that they love to hide in, in challenges. And it was 3712852697. And I've looked it up with the, like, translating it on a phone keypad and stuff, and it doesn't have any logical sentences come out of it. But I certainly wouldn't be, a, wouldn't be surprised if it does end up being a clue. Like, even if you translate it to just directly to letters like 3 is C or anything like that? Or an X? Well, surely it would spell out Demol S... Niels. 
Mm-hmm. Neil's the mole. Yeah, something like that. It'd be funny if the clue was like Neil's is not the mole. You mean like they did with um, one of the celebrity moles when it when they specifically said it was not a model? Oh, mole five. Yeah, when they said not Allie <laughs> because of Angie and Frederic. And Robert and Sarah release at 150 euros. And Rick, Paul, and Meryl are the only people who actually get this challenge and want to release as late as possible. But Jamie and Sinan decide to try and pressure them into not doing it. And they succeed. Yeah, and thanks to (laughs) Meryl's faith in Jamie for some reason, because she describes him as a weakness, they release at 250 euros. Everyone gets back in plenty of time, so they only earn 500 euros out of a possible 2,250. I wonder if it was more about playing, if like, if you're the... Mole or the other contestants trying to draw a suspicion that if you have Jamie and Cena yelling at you to come back right away, that you're just going to cave in to look a bit more suspicious? I don't know. I think, let's be perfectly honest, unless the mole is in the rescue boat, it's physically impossible for you to earn the 2250 on this one. Yeah. They could have just circled or, like, started puncturing holes in the rescue boat. That would have been hilarious. And Meryl is unhappy that they didn't get much money. I would hope all of the all of them should really be disappointed in themselves. They should all hang their heads as low as humanly possible. How low can you go? Well, if you're Nikki, um, the answer is not that low. <laughs> Otherwise, you'd have severe back pain, and all of your money is going to be spent on Rebecca's set. Can you tell you used to work in a pharmacy? <laughs> five years, Mike. Five years, and we hear we make up a new word. Rick Paul uh, busts out a new word called Barakamakamama, which sounds like Barack Obama's mama. And everyone wakes up early for a two-hour flight to their next location, which is San Gil, on day seven. It looks like Yoshi's Yoshi's Valley from Mario Kart 64 when you uh, have the overhead look, the overhead view. I'm like, where's the giant egg? And the second assignment takes place on hotel balconies. They have 20 potential balconies and must work out where they should be standing in 15 minutes based on clues on each balcony. They get 1,500 euros if they solve it without using their mole books or use the mole books for a potential prize of 1,000 euros. They have a lot of choice-related tasks this season. Have you noticed that? So many of them have been like, choose how many minutes you want to spend on this task, choose your difficulty, um, and then all the other regular choice, or choose if you want to open up this yoker. It's uh, a lot of not a lot of uh, Kelly Rowland dilemmas. Oh, and whilst they solve, there's two men serenading them, and the challenge title is Serenade, which I think might be another clue as well. I suspect if you translate the lyrics of that song, it probably gives you a hint. No, it's just that Niels is a singer, so that's why. Well, I kept hearing the word balcon whenever they were singing, which I'm assuming, even without doing basic research, is the Spanish for balcony. <laughs> no, means. Horse feet. So, if that ends up being a clue as well, I'm going to be very smug. Yeah, Niels had a lot, or later on the coffee task, Niels will have just music-related facts about coffee on his uh, clothing to fit in with him being a musician. Hmm, interesting. Maybe too obvious. Yeah, trying too hard to smell the coffee. I mean, let's be real, I'm still 100% on Niels, but... Yeah, I want to feed into your tunnel visi as much as possible. Yeah, I know you do. How many, how many, like, really extreme things can we bend to Niels being the suspect? I'm fully aware that you're just trying to make sure that I'm 100% on Niels, so when he gets eliminated, or when he is the loser in the final three, you can be really smug that I'm earning zero points. Which will probably be equal to how much will be in the pot by the end of the season. Very true. 
Also, CNN trying to run is hilarious to see <laughs> in the balcony challenge. I think we're just both now watching CNN all the time because he's just, he's our favourite person to tease. He's going to be super self-conscious about his mannerisms after listening to this podcast. I really want him to tweet us at some point. <laughs> tweet at CNN? Yeah. So yeah, this challenge kind of goes a bit wrong, let's be honest. And Robert says that he's good at logic puzzles, just not under pressure, not with this time limit. 15 minutes was a, for a group that's doing poorly with earning money. 15 minutes seemed a bit severe of a time crunch for that many rooms. Yeah, but the, there's only, what, five a floor, and there's four floors. Five rooms on each floor? Yeah, there's five rooms on each floor, and there's four floors that they were on, so... It's not exactly the most difficult for them. Right, yeah, that's still only 20 rooms. Yeah, and there's eight people to cover it. Yeah. And you gotta think, what, you only have to be at each one for like 30 seconds to relay the info? That's super doable. They should have done it methodically, because there's two options that get you a success in this, and that's everyone just thinks about themselves and makes sure that they get in the correct place. Because if that happens and there's only one person wrong... A, you know who it is. B, you know who the mole is. Right. Or alternatively, the mole plays ball and you win money. So it seems like they were all just trying to keep tabs on where each other was supposed to be. Instead of just being tunnel vision and just focusing on clues that apply to yourself. Yeah, they were, they were overcomplicating that game. The way to win that easily is just focus on yourself. And I know that's not really a vidim tactic because obviously you're trying to find the one person who isn't you. Who is sabotaging everything? But there, but in that in that case, you'd really be able to expose who the mole could be, or the bull would be too afraid to try to sabotage. Exactly. So you'd pretty much guarantee you can get fifteen hundred euros out of that. And they still messed it up. So things aren't looking good for them. <laughs> when this is already what four episodes in, there's four more left. They were focusing on each other and 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 basically just shouting at each other rather than doing the logical thing of focus on yourself and make sure you win. And only half of them were in their in the correct rooms? Yeah. Yeah, four of the eight of them were in the correct rooms. I like how uh, Rick, Paul, and Sarah said they trusted each other, and then they just completely ditched each other before the end of the challenge. And Meryl and Sinan were just kind of, just kind of hanging out. Sinan sits in the chair. <laughs> just chilling. You can't say he was sabotaging anything, he just was like, I know I'm supposed to be here. <laughs> My corns. Seen and wrecked enough in seven minutes to not have to care about anything else. I haven't bought my new Dr. Scholes yet. I can't possibly go up and down these stairs anymore. Have you seen my foot fungus? So yeah, this entire challenge just ends up being a mess because no one learns what they're supposed to do. And Rick Paul just starts dancing in one of the rooms. He's not even paying attention to the challenge. And then Evelyn doesn't do well with, well, anything. It's a real shame Evelyn's gone because... It became blatantly obvious that she was not the mole. She's just a really erratic older lady. I don't know about erratic, or just isn't very good at challenges or thinking through things logically. I wonder if they're going to start earning a lot more money now that Evelyn's out of the picture. Because she can't be in a key role anymore. She can't talk people out of saying, oh, no, we're not going to go for the one that earns more money. Or, oh, I'm not going to be the one in charge of the clock. Well, the fun part of this is the... um... Not even really part of the episode. It's the fact that once the challenge ends, everyone just loses their shit with each other. Yeah. 
they yeah they really tear into each other pretty much all alliances go out the window because of this i don't think there's any conversations between two players at all the rest of this episode no i know that brig kind of mentioned this when he watched the episode but this is the first time in a long while where people aren't laughing off the the mistakes that each other are making they're really starting to take it a bit personally yeah that's very rare for uh for the mole in general Everyone usually gets over it within either a few hours or by the next day. Yeah, they don't seem to be getting over it. Yeah, because a lot of it is just people saying, "Oh well, I was just I was just instigating that argument to draw more suspicion or push that person's buttons to see if I could get like a real reaction out of them or an honest reaction." In this case, no, they're just legitimately pissed off with each other. They're taking it super personally. Yeah, which is great for them all. Yeah, it's great for them all, but it's also great for those of us who are going to be at the reunion. Because it's going to get argumentative. <laughs> I'm going to have so much fun. The final three will all have to be sequestered from each other during the reveal. They all find out from a computer screen, because we can't trust them to actually be in the same room anymore. So typing in their own names for the execution is going to have to be a regular thing, not just a one-off twist to extend Nikki's uh, ten minutes of fame. Yeah. What I noticed this week is the women had almost no airtime. Sarah got a little bit of airtime, then Nikki got the second most amount of airtime, and then Meryl got, like, one scene, and I don't think Evelyn was seen from at all this whole episode. It was all Rick. There was a ton of Rick Paul coverage, a lot of Jamie, a lot of Niels, and then a little bit of Cena and Robert, and then just a couple scenes of Sarah, and yeah. The rest of the women, no airtime given to them at all. I was very surprised that Rick Paul didn't go home, because I was so worried he was going to. Yeah, because of the huge, yeah, like, probably like 40% of the airtime this week. But maybe he's the only one that's providing entertainment in the eyes of production, so they're just gonna just keep giving him confessionals. Because he's the only crazy guy left. <laughs> he's the most reliable narrator left. And then Niels has just gone from... A guy who's playing it hard to a guy who just seems to be depressed and angry and, and frankly, uh, borderline bipolar uh, from now on. But in more happy news, day eight is Jamie's birthday, and they give him a custom Jenga set, balloons, and obviously a cake from Robert. I think that one of those yokers was uh, Evelyn's yoker. So Jamie opened it up by mistake, and then the mole smuggled it back to Evelyn. Do you know the story on, on that? No. I'll get to it at the end then. So the final assignment of the episode is at a coffee farm, and Rick tests their knowledge. Now I've got 40 questions on four computers all about coffee, and tangentially related to coffee. Each question is worth 50 euros. If they get a question wrong, any money earned on that computer is lost. Seven of them will be wearing overalls with the correct answers written on them, but CNAN will not, because they can't trust him not to wreck it. And there is a potential 2,000 euros on offer for this challenge. And, in no particular order, the people wearing the overalls are... Rick Paul, who has kinds of coffee on his, Jamie, who has jokes and sayings, Niels, who has music, Sarah, who has culture, Evelyn, who has facts, Meryl, who has beans, beans, no, bees, Robert, who has production, and Sinan, who has nothing. This is a challenge that was designed for seven people. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Uh, th there's one extra Sinan. You just, you just don't do anything. We didn't have time to make another shirt or another or buy another tablet. And Jamie says that he finds it funny to be reading boobs and asses, because of course he does. And I have a note here just saying, surely Sinan should not be doing any typing. If he's not wearing overalls, he should be reading. 
He doesn't really do anything. He does nothing. He does nothing except type slowly. He does less than nothing. It would actually be a great way to sabotage is if you type really slowly and then whoever's with you gets really impatient and just takes over the keyboard to type quickly, but they miss like one key keystroke and then they get the red screen, which did happen two out of four tablets, I think was the case where CNN was too slow and then Niels or Jamie would jump in and then it's a wrong answer. I think they were hinting at how the mole was sabotaging that episode when we heard CNN say, all you have to do is misspell one thing and then the tablet locks. Yep. Because Niels locked two of the tablets by misspelling things. And what happened to the other two tablets? One was Jamie, right? Meryl was one of them and Jamie was the other. Yeah. The mole definitely screwed up one of those four tablets. But also Niels was angry at the end of the task for them going for the seventh question on the second tablet he locked. But he was the one who typed on that one and he was the one who locked it himself. Yeah, that's kind of like saying, no... Like, oh, you guys, you know, you're the reason why I'm getting fat, because I ate the last potato chip. It's all your guys' fault. It's like, no, you had that power to put the potato chips away. It's all you, baby boo. That's what it's like with typing the answer. It's like, oh, you guys made me type it in by my own independent decision-making, and we lost all of that money. It's your guys' fault. <laughs> So yeah, once more, spell it, Sinan ruins everything for everyone. <laughs> can't spell. Yeah, Sinan can't spell. And Niels misspells an answer locking the first tablet. Meryl locks another tablet and Niels looks annoyed. Niels locks the second one and they lose 300 euros from that one. And then the last one locks and the game's over. No one did well in this challenge. Everyone sucked. Which is the theme for every single challenge this week. Vidim 19, everyone sucks. Yeah, maybe Evelyn is just not even that much worse compared to everyone else in terms of challenge abilities. Or I guess the biggest thing is that they just have no teamwork. Yeah, they're absolutely working as a collection of individuals rather than, you know, a team. You know, the mold doesn't really have to actively sabotage any tasks this episode. All they really would have to do to block a bunch of money is just by not helping like if everyone's arguing and not communicating and trying to draw suspicion upon themselves all they have to do is just not help and nothing's going to be added into the pot yeah if you cast your mind back a few weeks i said that i think we're going to have a quieter mole this year purely because last year was a very overt mole and i think that's i think this is playing into it the fact that actually we're seeing a lot of subtle sabotages rather than the mole having to actively do things. He just has to give a little nudge and then just have fun, basically. Like, who who's coming out looking to be really aggressive with sabotage? It's probably Niels and Jamie after these first four episodes. And then Evelyn was number th was in that top three of being viewed as a, the, the three that are always being pointed to for sabotages. But nobody's still suspecting Niels, that's the thing. Not a single person has said in four quizzes now that they are putting Niels down on their suspect list. I wonder if there's something about Niels that just didn't air on TV that just his interactions with people, maybe they get turned away from him somehow where they're thinking, no, there's no way production would make this guy be the mole. Because he's a very intense guy. Like He's getting angry and pissed off about all these different mistakes being made. So maybe it's just the way he's arguing with people is just 
reducing that suspicion to nil. It's very interesting. I happen to stumble upon the fact that on the official vid map they do have a suspect list of their own. I happen to stumble upon who the top three suspects were. And it was very close. It was 16% in first place for Evelyn. And then it was... I think it was Rick Paul and Niels next on 15%. So they're going for the people that had the most airtime. Yeah. It was very close between the top three. And see, like, Sarah's just getting just enough airtime where she's just looking so suspicious because she didn't really... Like, there's just things here and there where it's like, oh, that would be a good way to sabotage it where... She was just completely unaware of the balcony she should be on and say, no, Rick Paul is screwing up at this when Rick Paul is actually trying to fix things. And then, yeah, I still don't I don't know what to make of uh, Robert after this episode, because there's nothing really that could point directly at him saying that he screwed that up. I think Robert is probably my least suspected person at the moment. In fact, I'm pretty sure Robert is my least suspected person at the moment. Yeah, he's still in my he's still in my top four. I have a tough time buying into uh, Mural just because so many contestants are saying they suspect Mural right now. There's been there's always been this cloud of distrust around Mural. So yeah, with the four lot tablets, they earn absolutely nothing again for this challenge, bringing the total so far to four thousand euros of a possible twenty two thousand two hundred and fifty. And voice of reason, Rick Paul is a bit worried about how badly they're doing. <laughs> Yeah, usually you're supposed to be around, what, like 30% of what you could potentially earn is supposed to go into the pot. They're hovering at about 20, less than 20. And now it's time for the test. 20 questions on the actions and identity of the mole. Whoever gets the most wrong goes home. And to be perfectly honest, we don't really learn much from anyone this time. No, we had three challenges this week, so there wasn't really too much time to dive into everyone's suspicions. Yeah, so Jamie suspects Evelyn, Sarah suspects not Robert, Robert suspects Rick Paul and Sarah because they're both emotional, Meryl suspects Evelyn, Rick Paul, Jamie and Sinan as he does nothing, Sinan says that he was on Evelyn and he's now on Meryl, Neil suspects Meryl, Sinan, Jamie and Evelyn and at the last second plays his Yoka, Evelyn says she's confident, has a Yoka and plays it, and Rick Paul says he's not on Evelyn now. And now a bit of scandal. Yes. So, Evelyn gets called out by Rick at the test because the yoka she played was not valid. It had already been opened. Now, I wonder how that had happened. This was so controversial that Vidim have actually released the video of how this happened. Oh, really? Yes. It happened on the bus ride to Guatape, and Niels swapped the yoka over. He managed to get into Evelyn's bag, swap his opened one from last week that fit back together with a real yoker that Evelyn had. He played it this week as well. He played Evelyn's real yoker? Yeah, which is why he had a yoker. But he asked Sarah whether he should do it, and she wasn't particularly enthusiastic about him doing it, but still had put herself between Evelyn's bag and Evelyn, so that Evelyn couldn't see him swap it over. Who did? Uh, Sarah did it. Sarah covered for Niels. Hmm. So that's the story on how it happened. So it was sneaky little Niels who did it. Yeah, but Sarah's a guilty party too. But Sarah wasn't enthusiastic about doing it. Yeah, but if you're the mole, that's what you're going to be doing. You have to gain some. You have to gain. You want to gain the trust of somebody who 
is going to make sure no one trusts each other in challenges. If, say, I don't know, Mussolini or something like that was one of the Vidim contestants and I was the mole, it's like that Mussolini guy is really going to screw up the group dynamic and really have a strong personality and get in the way of us getting tasks done. How about I gain his trust and like cover for him with all these different challenges so that he can stick around for a bit and everything just gets thrown into complete chaos. So Neil's Meryl with Jamie and seeing Anna get green screens before Evelyn gets the red screen and goes home crying. This was a brutal execution scene. Everyone was so shocked because I think a lot of people suspected her, including me. Well, a lot of people suspected her, but also she felt really betrayed. Especially, yeah. That was... I think once you start tampering with other people's advantages... That's what makes me not want to suspect Niels, because that was... If I'm the mole, I would find other ways to sabotage things and not... I guess what I'm trying to say is, if you're the mole, you don't want to make it the experience not fun for everybody. Like, you don't want to be a huge douchebag for, like, the two and a half weeks and make the contestants completely miserable. Like, that's not your what your role is supposed to be. Sure, cause chaos, but it's like... It's like you're an unofficial member of production where you still it's still on you to help make the experience fun for everybody. The question for me is whether production led Niels to do it if he is the mole. Did production going into the season think, hmm, we have these openable yokers which we're going to prove in the pre, pre-episode video can fit back together. Do we get someone to do it? If he is the mole, then I suspect production probably led him in that direction. Just said, you know how someone's still got yokers? How about you just maybe have a little fun with them? But they wouldn't get, they would be briefed on this before the season. Like we had that interview with Jills where he said the mole would get all their briefings before the season even started. Like no one checks in with them during the game. But maybe the Dutch one does it slightly differently. Absolutely. It could be different format where. Because if you remember, Gilles also said that they do occasionally drop in on the mole if they're going to change the order or something. Right, if they have to do some sort of production change. So it's certainly not out of the question if he is the mole. But he does regret tampering with her yoka towards the end of the episode. I think just by seeing everyone's reaction, he's like, yeah, maybe I took it a bit a step too far. Cross that unofficial ethical line. The question is whether he admits it. I mean, Sarah knows he did it, though. Yeah, but if he admits it, then he's probably going to go up in people's suspect lists. Maybe they want to engineer a situation where we don't have what we had in the past two years of people getting to the finale without knowing who the mole is. Because both of the losers of the past two seasons in Holland have not known who the mole was. They both suspected the winner. And in fact, in 2017, we had the great situation where the winner suspected the mole, who suspected the loser, who suspected the winner. (laughs) Quite the triangle. So, next time... There's driving word puzzles, Sarah is super dyslexic, Rick Paul suggests a list bond, Jamie kidnaps people, and Robert abseils down a waterfall. Which I can't wait for. Only in Vidim can you say a preview like that, and everyone's like, yeah. Yeah, seems normal. Yeah, I buy it. Seems plausible. I can't wait for Robert to abseil down a waterfall. <laughs> At least he doesn't have to do a tandem with Cena. And we get some Otis Redding music in the closing credits, too. We do. Ducky from uh, Pretty in Pink would really, uh, really dig it. So, who's on your suspect list? 
Well, I did drop Evelyn off my suspect list right before she got executed, so that didn't help me. Who's your number one? Number one is Sarah. Two is Jamie. Uh, three is Robert. And four is Niels. Well, number one for me is obviously still Niels. And then everyone else is the question. <laughs> <laughs> everyone else is in a tie for a second. Yeah. I think Sarah's definitely up there. I think maybe Jamie. I can't see it being any of the others. And, of course, the uh, Rick brought up that every single person executed so far has been a woman. So they may want up a Belgian mole from last year where instead of it being an all-male final three, we could be heading to an all-male final five. We're not too far off. We are not too far off, but then two of those guys are Robert and Sinan. So anything could happen. <laughs> and what made me suspect her even more is that uh, she was Evelyn's roommate slash coalition partner, I think. So typically, either your coalition partner is your number one suspect, or they're your last suspect. It's always one of the two. So I'm thinking Evelyn didn't suspect Sarah uh, as the mole. And that's why she's executed right now. But also, Evelyn doesn't tell us who she's suspecting this week. But everyone who suspected Evelyn would have got points for questions like which boat was the mole in on the cage boat challenge if it's Neil's. So if everyone was on Evelyn and Evelyn wasn't on Neil's, then they got points from that. Right. And they'd be safe and then she'd for sure be executed. Yeah, I wonder if everyone's just going to be suspecting Niels as the mole then. So, who do you think's going next week? We haven't heard anything from Meryl for four episodes now, so I can't see her lasting too much longer. I got a feeling she's got to be next. She's not getting any sort of storyline just like, oh, the only storyline she's had is, oh, we don't really trust Meryl, and that's been it. See, I would put money on Robert going, just because he... It, what purpose does he serve, apart from being Sinan's little right-hand man and serving cake? Scully and Hitchcock. <laughs> well, I'm glad Robert's making it long enough to abseil uh, down the waterfall. So am I, but I think that's the point where maybe we have to cut Robert loose before he busts a hip or something. <laughs> I don't know, if we cut him loose while abseiling, I think it'll have the exact opposite effect of what you desire. Just you to go for the sinister aspect, Logan. Well, we have to take 4,000 years out of the pot to cover uh, Robert's medical bills. <laughs> the biggest sabotage of them all so far. Niels really one-upped himself. He goes from tampering with a, with a yoker to tampering with the rope for somebody's life. Yeah, and you just see Sinan in the background cackling because his diabolical plans worked. I manipulated Niels into doing that. I told him to do it with my eyes. So manipulative. <laughs> so is there anything else to say? <laughs> no, I'm going to sleep. Now that we've just killed off Robert. Yeah, it's only, instead of V is the mole, it's going to be, uh, and then there was none by Agatha Christie. <laughs> so, thank you for listening to this V is the mole podcast. You can join us next week for more mole hunting. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, our TV Warriors, our own Twitter pages, MJ Armstrong for me, and Logsupercracky for Logan. Also, if you're watching Hunted, you can join me, Anthony, and Michelle to cover that on a Sunday. See you next week. Peace out, and just chill till the next flavoring. Yeah.
Tot ziens.